Hey, this is Wilson. No Jason this week as always. What's up, Galvis? What's up, Wilson? Getting ready to go to Vegas tomorrow. Only thing is, they're saying there's a flash flood warning. And all of a sudden, now we got to wear masks to be inside the casino, regardless of your vaccination status. So, sucks for me, because when I'm playing and I'm gambling, I love to have a cigarette while I'm doing that. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. So, when did they, when did this, the, the, uh, the flash flood when it came in when? The mass or the flash flood? I'm not sure. They said it's it's scheduled to hit this week. And this what? Week. What? And what? What about the uh, the mass mandate? When did that come in? Supposedly that started today at 12:01, so it's already it's in place right now. <laughs> so. Is it, it, it? So just in just in Vegas where you're going? I'm not. I haven't been keeping up with California, even though I'm in California. So it's crazy because you don't know what to believe, right? So if you see. Um, people on social media they're posting if you're coming to Vegas say goodbye to the 100 degree weather because there's going to be a flash flood warning and blah 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 right mm-hmm. the crazy thing is I don't know if they're just saying it just to fuck with people because if you check the weather it's still going to be hot as shit it's going to be like 100 degrees out so it's only cold like in LA obviously where this uh where this show is based out of in case people are listening all over the world it doesn't rain in the summer at all mm-hmm. and so but if it were to rain it would still be hot it's only in the winter that it's cold when it rains so in Vegas it's just going to feel real muggy because it's still going to be 100 degrees out but it's going gonna, it's gonna, to there's going to be rain how much rain hopefully not much because um, I was trying to go to the pool Maybe put some oil on my body, you know, <laughs> so that way I can I can look like Rico Suave or something. You know, <laughs> you know it's funny. I actually don't know what Rico Suave, what like what Rico Suave actually looks like. I just know that he's like a, you know, people use him as like you know to just like to describe yeah, he's a, some. He's a stereotypical like Latin lover, you know, yeah. type shit. Is Love he still alive? I, I believe so. I don't know, but um, but yeah, man. So hopefully my trip doesn't get too bad. So we'll see how right. that goes. Um, yeah. So, but uh, oh, so, so this okay. So in this week's episode, um, we're gonna be we're gonna be talking about uh, the blockbuster trade that happened last night with the Lakers uh, acquiring Rus- uh, Russell Westbrook uh, from the. Wizards in exchange for Kyle Kuzma, uh, KCP, and Montrez Harrell, uh, and then there's there some draft picks exchange also. Um, and then we'll just we'll recap the draft in general. Um, and then I think that'll probably pretty much be it. Uh, but yeah, so last night, I mean, I went to sleep uh, around like three o'clock, and then when I woke up, it was about it, it was, the draft had already started. I think it was. I think only the first pick had been made. Um, and Walt was on was on my TV screen, saying that the Lakers, yeah, that the deal was official. Um, the Lakers were going to be acquiring Russell Westbrook for uh, it was like I said for Kuzma, Montrez, uh, KCP, and the Lakers uh, pick uh, in the draft last night, which was number twenty two. Um, and the Wizards also are sending back the the twenty twenty four and twenty twenty eight second round picks to the Lakers. 
Um, this is via uh, ESPN's report. Um, you know, my initial thoughts were, you know, I mean, I, the Lakers need to do something, you know, because the older, like, they were, they were lucky that everything broke their way in 2020 in the bubble, and they were able to win the title with just LeBron and AD and a bunch of role players. They knew they were going to be, need more uh, last year, and they got more, and then the injuries, I think they would have repeated, they would have won the title again last year, but then the injuries, of course, ruined everything. And then, you know, this year, they're going to need more again because as LeBron gets older, the older LeBron gets, the more help he needs. And so they bring in Westbrook, who, you know, um, I mean, Westbrook is uh, we, we, we've been one of the most frustrating players to follow since he's been, uh, you know, in the NBA. Uh, high upside, we all know, an incredible athlete, an incredible playmaker, uh, a streaky score, um, you know, plays as hard as anybody. But uh, he's only been in the finals once um, that year with Dur- that year with uh, Durant and Harden in 2012. And since he stopped playing with Kevin Durant, he has not been on the first round of the playoffs. Uh, but now he gets to come to the Lakers and be the third best player. Um, Galvis, what are your thoughts on this? Question. How many – did he average a triple-double this past season? He did, right? I don't – let me check. I don't think – I don't know if he averaged him. I think he might have just – I think he's averaged a triple double four out of the past five seasons or three out of the past five seasons, something like that. Yeah. I think this year he just broke the record. I don't think he averaged a triple double this year. What's crazy is that he didn't make all NBA. He did. <laughs> he so did? This, 13? Yeah, this was his – how many seasons? This is his fourth season averaging a triple double, so four out of the last five years. Okay, so now, thing is, since Durant left – it's been 100% his team. So he goes from being the alpha male, having his own team, to now going to the third slot. So going to be pretty interesting to see how that plays out. But I think Russell Westbrook is one player who, for some reason, he just gets hate because he doesn't fuck with the media like that. They ask players, who was your favorite teammate? They'll all say Russell Westbrook. But, you know, because Russell Westbrook has that 1980s mentality, right? Like the late 80s, early 90s mentality. And mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of players now, young players, they're baby. They've been babied since AA ball. And so, you know, maybe some of them don't take kindly to Russell Westbrook's way of leadership. Now, one thing you got to ask yourself is, what are the odds of Brooklyn's top three be all go unhealthy again. Probably slim, right? Mm-hmm. So you got to ask yourself, was this the best move they could make to try to beat Brooklyn? And um, I don't know. If this was 2016 Russell Westbrook, I'd say most definitely. But this is 38 or 36, 37-year-old LeBron teaming up with 33-year-old Russell Westbrook and a injury-riddled Anthony Davis, or injury-prone. I don't know if they're good enough to be Brooklyn. Still. What yeah, do you think? It's, it's, I, uh, you know, what's interesting is that for all the triple-double seasons that he's had, to me it was, it was 2020 in Houston that was the best season um, that he's had. Baby in his career, 
He shot 47% from the field. I was by far, by far career high. And, and he got to that number because um, he stopped shooting threes. There was a point in that season, I guess right before, it was right before the bubble, where he stopped shooting threes and he played the most efficient ball of, of his career. And it was, he, I mean, he was terrifying. You know, he was, he was, during that stretch, he was as good as anybody in the league. So, I mean, that is the key to Westbrook's game. It's basically, you know, his shot selection has always been his weakness, you know. But when he plays under control and he plays within himself like he showed during that stretch, like he did during that stretch in Houston, um, he's, he's really something. Um, I think LeBron at this point in, in his career, uh, he needs to move off the ball. I think Magic said it recently when Magic first came here and took over in a, the, the year that he was uh, you know, in our front office. Uh, he brought in Lance Stevenson and Rondo and guys like that who could create so LeBron could just try to, you know, like I said, play off the ball, be a scorer. And then last year, LeBron played point guard full-time. Uh, and this year, he kind of went back to being just like your typical LeBron. Uh, you know, LeBron has always been a scorer and a, and a facilitator. Uh, which he was, he was at the first year he came here also. But I think he, LeBron needs to transition to a rolling screen because it takes a lot of you to run an offense and be the person who gets everybody involved. And I think LeBron needs to uh, finally take a step back and just let Westbrook handle all the, the playmaking duties. And LeBron could be almost like a DH, you know, um, uh, you know, just somebody who's going to, like I said, just, just focus on scoring. He'll still get his assists too, but you know he doesn't need to try to average eight assists a game anymore. You know, five assists a game is fine. You know, because he's just—he's just—I mean, it's just—he'll be in year nineteen next year, and he'll be thirty-seven in December. You know, and at a certain point, it's like you can only—we you know, know that he can't carry a team anymore because he couldn't even—you know—once AD went down and Chris was hurt, you know, Chris was banged. Chris was even close to one hundred percent. So it's basically LeBron versus um, Booker. In games five and six, and Booker was the better player, you know, which, you know, I mean, in LeBron James's prime, and Booker's a great player, but in LeBron's prime, he would have never, you know, a Booker versus LeBron matchup to decide a series. Yeah. LeBron is going to win that matchup every single time, you know. So, yeah. you know, 2000, it's, it's, 2000, 2016, LeBron would have won that series. Of course. He just would have come out and yeah. gotten 40, 15, and 10 for those two games. We would have won in six. He probably wouldn't even lost game four. We probably would have won in five, you know. So, yeah, you know, like I said, just as he as he gets older, he's going to have to streamline his game, you know, more and yeah. more. And, yeah. you know, Westbrook will help him do that because, you know, uh, like I said, Westbrook has led the league in assists three times, including last year. He's averaged 10 assists or more five times. So he can do all of that. You know, and LeBron can just focus on, on scoring. Um, but they have to do something, like I said, because it's just always – as LeBron gets older, the older LeBron gets, the harder it's going to get for him to do the, you know, do the kind of heavy lifting that he's done uh, throughout, you know, his basically, I mean, throughout his whole career. Um, so, yeah. and you mentioned Brooklyn, you know, you know, the Warriors, I don't know what they've been doing. You know, they've kind of, I mean, they're getting clay back, but the rest of their team, I don't know. You know, they made some questionable draft picks the last couple of years, including last night. Um, you know, they have Andrew Wiggins. And they really need to package all those guys and get themselves a, a fourth, you know, a st- stable fourth star. Um, but you know, it's just never getting easier, you know. So did you see? Um, did you see what what um, Philadelphia wanted for Ben Simmons? They from the they, Warriors. They no. said they wanted Wiseman, Wiggins, 
and four first-round picks. And it's so funny because it's so true in the comments. It's like, did you guys not see the playoffs? You guys think this is 92 MJ or 08 Kobe? Like, Ben Simmons, I would never trade. I wouldn't trade a star for, for Ben Simmons just because Ben Simmons has been in the league so long. And for him to not have a jump shot, that shows you what kind of a player he has, it is, and what kind of a mentality he has. He doesn't want to get better. Name well, one thing. Was, name one thing Ben Simmons has gotten better at since he came into the league. Well, that was, you know, you guys have to understand. You probably can tell if you've listened to the podcast before, but Galvis has a, a extra hatred for people who don't, like, develop a jump shot. <laughs> That's not how I got with, I mean, like, Blake Griffin did develop a jump shot. Like, he shoots threes now. But Galvin still hates Blake Griffin. But Galvin still hates Blake Griffin. You know, Giannis just won a ring, but he still hates Giannis. You know, no. Galvin hates guys like that, who he feels like just coast on their natural ability, uh, even when it's not true. Um, I don't hate players. Like that, just because all I my theory is when a player strictly relies on athleticism, it becomes a problem. Because when they get to 31, 32, 33, and they no longer have the athletic ability, the game gets hard for them and they kind of just not fall off. But look what I mean. It's so funny that Wilson's calling me out on my take when Blake Griffin is a prime example of that. You're just mad that I'm making the point. Um, yeah, well, I mean, you're not... Uh, I mean, you're not... I'm not you're wrong. Still, you're not entirely wrong, but I'm just saying. You know, you do have it like no. a... I'm a, I've always said, like, you know, these players, they have to learn how to, like how to just use, like, it's like a wide receiver that all he can do is just run deep threats. All he can do is just run Hail Marys. He doesn't have the greatest hands. He doesn't have great route running skills. When he's 32 and he no longer has that speed, what is he good for? Nothing. Right? And so, same thing in, in basketball, but um, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade um, ben Sim for Ben Simmons. No, I mean, well, like, okay, if you could choose between the same package, but instead of Ben Simmons, I mean, instead of Russell Westbrook, you could get Ben Simmons. Who would you rather have? Listen, I heard that that the uh, Sixers wanted a Harden like package uh, for um, for Ben, ben Simmons, Simmons. Right? who's not even on Harden's level. Right. But and this was like this was like the worst Ben Simmons worth has never or his stock has never been lower. And for the Sixers to just want some ma like bro, you don't have to be a, a a a scout, a professional scout to know that you would never trade for Ben Simmons. Like like I said like the fact that he hasn't developed as a player, and it's been, what, six years almost? Mm -hmm. It tells you a lot about him as a player. 
and as a person too. You know, the report started coming out that Ben Simmons was babied and that nobody told him anything. So it's like, are you really going to give up a King's ransom for, for a player that, you know, he is what he is? Well, I personally, like, he's a very flawed player. I do think the Sixers need to, um, need to trade him. But when, uh, you know, when the, when the Sixers say that they're expecting, you know, a Harden-like package, to me, what the, what, the, um, what the Nets gave up for Harden was not some type of King's ransom because I don't, uh, I don't, you know, I don't look at draft picks like that, you know, especially draft picks that you don't know what they're going to, um, what they're going to be. So, to me, if I'm the, the Warriors and I have this window with Curry and Thompson and Green, you have to think about, I mean, like, to me, to, like I said, to me, to me, that's, to, to me, for, for, for the window that, like, yeah, like Simmons is very flawed. But he's still a really good player for what he is. And if he goes, you have to think about the context. So if he goes to Golden State, he, he doesn't have to create shots for Thompson and Curry. Right, he doesn't have to be what Philly needs him to be. He can just be himself, and it, and it's, and it still works, you know. Yeah. So, to but me, I guess the, I guess they're really I guess they're really high off of Wiseman though. Well, I, I guess think. it doesn't really seem like it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, Wiseman to me, Wiseman and Wiggins, and you know they they picked some guys last night who I don't know. It seemed like they could have done better. And they put they should have picked Lamelo last year. To me, if I can. I would I would have done that if I were if I were the uh, the Warriors not because you know Simmons is some type of you know uh, like I said he's obviously a very flawed player and he's regressing but you know uh, he you know he's high IQ he's unselfish he'd probably fit there you know so based on the context and you know like I said I don't to me that's not some type of King's ransom uh, giving up Wiseman and Wiggins and those draft picks you know. It's like I would have, you know, I would have seriously considered that. I probably would have pulled the pulled the trigger. Uh, but yeah, you know, the the, the main thing for um for the Lakers is, you know, like if they can get if LeBron can convince uh, Westbrook um to not shoot any threes at all, if he can say West just don't don't shoot a three unless you absolutely have to, like if, unless it's against the shot clock or something like that. If LeBron can somehow. Can, Unless he's just wide open and it's a yeah. good shot, but he cannot look for that three pointer. No, and even if he's wide open, he should still, you know, use the space to get a, get a closer shot. You know, because he's devastating when he doesn't shoot threes. Um, but yeah. you know, and and you know, I mean, we'll just have to see what happens. But even if LeBron still wants to play on the ball, because that's what he's always done, and it's going to be Westbrook, the you know, the pure score. Uh, we saw what he, you know, like I said, when he was in Houston and he wasn't, and he stopped shooting those threes, he was the best player in the league during that stretch. Yeah. Um, elsewhere, uh, yeah. So the draft, um, that's where all this stuff happened last night. Um, Cade Cunningham went number one overall to the Pistons, uh, the six eight guard out of um, out of Oklahoma State. I think he'll be good. He could be the best draft pick they've had since Grant Hill and before that, um, Isaiah Thomas. I think those are the last two guys that they picked number one. Um, you know, I don't know much about Jalen Green. I know he was uh, – I don't forget where he was last year. He wasn't in college. Um, and then you had Evan Mobley, 
Um, so Jalen Green went second with the Rockets, and Evan Mobley went third to the Cavaliers. Uh, Evan Mobley is probably my favorite player in this draft. He went to USC. Um, I just I just love his skill set. You know, he has an Anthony Davis like skill set. We'll see if he can have that type of impact. Um, Jalen Suggs went fifth. You know, Scotty Barnes out of Florida State. He went fourth to uh, the Raptors. Jalen Suggs was, went fifth to um, to the Magic. Uh, we know he was good for uh, for Gonzaga. They almost you know, they almost went undefeated last year. Uh, but we'll have to see. You know, it's, it's, this isn't a draft that I'm crazy about. The guy I'm most forward looking and watching is uh, is Evan Mobley because I think he just has a huge upside. Um, but we'll just have to see what happens. A lot of these G leaguers that that didn't go to college ended up getting drafted. I mean, is that do you think that's the new wave now? Or since they're able to make money in college? Because now I think you're better off going to college because you'll get more exposure in college than at the G League. Yeah, I wonder why guys don't just go take the year in college, go to some you know school that has a great, you know, great athletic facility. You know, like you only have to go to school for one semester. It's like guys hate school so much <laughs> that as soon as they graduate from high school, they're like, oh, I'm just completely done with school. I'll go play basketball in the, anywhere just to keep from having to go to yeah, one more class. Yeah. You know, um, but, you know, that, I, I'd like to, you know, I don't really want to see guys start. I mean, of course, because like, like I said, like Jalen Green, um, you know, he was, a, he was with the, the G but League. You, know, you, get, you, get, you get more, for example, you get better coaching at the G League, right? Unless you play for like Coach K or, or. you know, Calipari or, like, the, the, the top upper echelon. But in the G League, you're playing against grown men. You're playing against players who are one step below the NBA. Right? In college, 99% of those players will not make it to the NBA. You're playing walk-ons. You're playing guys that are fucking studying to be a doctor or something that just happen to be good at basketball. And I think you're probably better <laughs> off like for your career playing in the G League. But now that you can make money in the college level, you're probably better off going to college. Oh yeah, guys are gonna start going, you know. I mean if you if if you think of it financially, now it's better to go to college, especially since there's no ceiling. I mean can you imagine um Coach K, right? Doesn't he do American Express commercials or something like that? Mm Mm-hmm. Like he can easily tell top recruit, be like, hey Come to Duke. You're going to be on this commercial with me. They're going to pay you X amount of dollars for that commercial. Right? They're going to give you 500. I think the G League, the max they make is like 500,000 or a million bucks. American Express can easily pay that for the commercials. And he can go do other commercials. But you don't get that exposure playing for the the LA. What is it called? The The G G League Ignite? Yeah, or the the Lakers Sun Bay bullshit or something like that like <laughs> you don't get that the south bay lakers <laughs> yeah the south bay lakers but you you know you would get a lot more exposure in the, in the collegiate level but you know um but one question i want to see just because i love usa i love america i would never kneel for national anthem has nothing to do with race now my wife suffers from anxiety and i have you know she goes through anxious moments so I'm there with her while she's going through these moments. 
as a husband seeing that, it really sucks. You know, I wouldn't wish it on anybody. But Simone Biles catching a lot of heat because she basically quit on the USA to withdraw for uh, mental health issues, right? Now, you are someone that also suffers from mental health issues. How yes. do you see Simone Biles? Do you see her as a hero or a traitor? It's a very, it's a very uh, delicate situation because it also it has racial implications, right? And let's, you know, because everything does. Everything's racial nowadays. So do you think she's a hero or a traitor? Well, what, what would make her a hero? I mean... Because she's like, she's bringing awareness to the anxiety issues and she's not letting, like, she's putting herself first. She's putting her, her, her mental health before anything else. And, you know... Oh, yeah. That doesn't make her a hero. Uh, you know, and I wouldn't call... And, and her... sorry to cut you off, but one of the reasons why she's also getting a lot of heat is because leading up to the Olympics, she had special outfits made the GOAT, made this, made that. You know, she was making a lot of bold comments and statements. Basically, she was talking like she was Michael Jordan. Talent-wise, yes. She had... She's probably... Just as talented as Michael is, right? Mm -hmm. Can you can yeah. we agree on that? Come on, I don't know about that. But she's won a bunch of gold medals, so can she really call herself the goat? And she literally just quit on her team. But if she, but if she wasn't, if she wasn't right, I mean, I just, I just, I never thought of it like it's her quitting on her. On her team, I guess you know. I mean, she I'm not in of someone who could have really went and helped. But I'm not really into, uh, you know, gymnastics like that. So I never thought of it as being like a. Neither team am I. Sport. We're just neither am I. We're just talking about the storyline. Yeah. Well, I never. I don't like. I said I don't. I just look at it like she went over there for whatever reason. I don't know. Like I guess she just she, she went maybe, over for a free vacation. <laughs> and then she got there and she was like, I mean, I guess it is kind of selfish if she knew she wasn't right and she went over there and then she um you know, she I mean she quit, but if she knew that she wasn't right when she went there, then maybe she just shouldn't have gone, you know. Um now here's another thing. Now quitting, I've quit before, you know. Yeah, because you're a loser. But here's the thing. <laughs> and and not only that, but you quit for a football team or a basketball team, whatever on a middle school level that nobody, you know, this is the, the fucking Olympics we're talking about. But now here's another situation. Now this is old school, new school where now the topic of, are we raising our kids to be soft? Is that coming into play? Because if we keep like, you know, accepting these situations and praising these situation, these kids grow up to be, extremely soft. What do you think about that? Well, I definitely think that's happened. I don't know if that has anything to do with what Simone Biles did. But we, well, yeah, we definitely raised the kids to think that it's, you know, like, like you know, how you give, like, participation trophies, you know? Yeah. Um, to, like, so even the loser gets a, gets a trophy, like, that's ridiculous, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, that competition is supposed, you're supposed to lose and then feel bad that you lost. 
and then you know try to work harder to come back and and have that motivate yeah um but this country in general that's that's what it's doing is it tries to take away and it's like i get it it's like richard dawkins said you know the environment that our ancestors survived in 200,000 years ago to get us to this point was very, very harsh. And we should, we should try to make life cozier and easier as much as we can within reason and without making us, like you said, soft, you know, um, because it is still a savage world that we live in, you know, so you need to have that edge. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I definitely don't, it's, it's a lot of ways that we've, you know, everything is softer now, you know, if, uh, football is softer, uh, basketball yeah. is softer. I mean, every, every, everything is softer. Every sport is softer, you know, um, baseball is the one sport that tries to try to keep with their, with their traditions and stuff like that. And then, and, you know, even when people don't really, you know, they try to, you know, uh, kind of tear away at that. Um, you know, one of my favorite Patrice O'Neill, um, clips one of his my favorite bits when he talks about how like when he was playing football um and you know when he was back when he was playing football if you hit somebody and they didn't get up like they didn't hold hands and pray for the guy you know they would, yeah. they would dance and celebrate and then and the crowd would go he's paralyzed and then they would you know they would take the guy's socks and wrap them, and wrap them around their helmets so the other team, the team next week, oh, that's the team that'll be taking paralyzed to socks and wrapping them around it, you know, and stuff like that, and look up in the crowd and tell them, you know, well, you, what you get, you kill us. Bill Hughley said something very similar too. He said in one of his stands of hymns, "Times have changed, man. Kids are softer now." He goes, "When I was a kid, we would sit in the car with the windows down, with no AC, and we were cool with it." Yeah, kids nowadays they'll fucking die. Yeah, it's only once you tell the kid, like, "Hey, you're not yeah. supposed to be in here. It's hot." You know, it's just yeah. like I was thinking about this yesterday. But to finish the Patrice thing, that Patrice bit always made me think of like my dad played football in high school. He was like an all league linebacker at Crenshaw, and he actually had a scholarship to to New Mexico State. This was in the late seventies. Before he went to Crenshaw, he went. He was at St. Bernard's. And one time I showed him that uh, Patrice O'Neill clip and he texted me and he said, yeah, man, football's not the same. He goes, when I was at Burns, he said, I had a, uh, a quarterback named Eddie Sanchez, right? And he goes, uh, back in the day we were playing and he said, well, he's, I forget if he hit the quarterback low and Sanchez hit him high or if Sanchez hit him, ho- hit him low and my dad hit him high. But my dad said that they broke the, the quarterback broke his leg. He broke the quarterback's leg and he was screaming underneath the pile. And my dad said, we didn't hold, hit, hold hands to pray for that <laughs> dude, man. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It was like, yeah. and he said they had a white boy coach named Coach Hickney or something like that who used to take rocks and throw them at the players' heads. And he, they said they broke that white, that quarterback's leg, and Coach Hickney was freaking jacked up. He was fired up. He loved it. He was going back. Yeah. He, was so, he was so excited, you know? But that's how football used to be. Like, he wanted to knock somebody out of the game, you know? Like, that was your, your goal. You know, yeah. um, you didn't really want to hurt them like, you know, where they couldn't recover. But that was the mentality, you know. The only thing about that is that obviously throughout the years, you see that these guys had like bad mental health and they had cases of CTE and stuff like that. That's the only problem. But mm-hmm. here's my thing, right? For example, I don't know if you were 
when you were like between the ages of 10 and 13 out playing in the yard with your cousins or your friends? Did you grow up like that? Yeah. I grew up in the, I grew up in the, I mean, not in the front yard, in the backyard. We couldn't go in the front. Oh, wherever, we wherever. I remember playing with my cousins. I remember playing with the kids from the neighborhood. We were just crazy. You fell, you scraped your knee, you got up, and you didn't go complain because then your parents would be like, all right, come inside. Right? Mm-hmm. You were thirsty. Where would you drink water from? Where? The water hose. The water yeah. hose. I've done, I did that I never did a million that. times. You never did it? I never drank water from the water hose. Okay. I did, and it was the most delicious water you ever tasted in your life. You tell a kid now to, that he drink like, if, if a parent sees their 13-year-old boy drinking water from the water hose, they're going to think he's going to get cancer or something. Mm-hmm. You know? And so that's what I meant. Like, now nobody's saying, like, oh, Hide your feelings. Don't, 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 don't show your emotion. Nah, it's just like you said. Kids don't know they're hot until you tell them they're hot. You know, um, I always tell my 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 wife's sister in law. She goes, "Oh, my son is tired. He's thirteen. I was like, thirteen year old kids don't get tired. You can play out in the street in a hundred degree weather with the sun bearing down on you all day. You don't get tired." Mm-hmm. But if you tell your kids, hey, are you tired or he's tired? He's going to be tired. Yeah. You know? All right. So before we get out of here, just a reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts. The show is also on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and every other major podcatcher. Make sure to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at tcpod.work and to like it on Facebook. You search for the Complete Podcast Network. Send feedback and mailback questions to Complete Lakers Podcast at gmail.com. We are out.